A stu stu Studio D production. Haroom, haroom. And I am the quicker with a blueberry shaker. Did you just say blueberry shake? <laughs> what? Quaker was a mover and a shaker. Oh, I yeah, swear yeah, you said like boober so shaker. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fast. It was really fast. So I know it's those blueberry shake. Blueberry shake. <laughs> Sit down, I wanna tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. Yeah, it's everyone. Welcome to F'd Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And with us today we have Jess. Hello. And Belle. Hey. Yeah. yeah. So. How's everyone doing? Good. I've been better. Yeah. Belle has a lot of energy Not right really. now. really. I'm trying to get energy and that's what this is. The, ener <laughs> the no, Belle, that's a cajon. Oh, the cajon of energy. I want to play the drum that Pear hit in. Well, so I had to drop my cats off on Tuesday because they were in, um, well, bed bugs. I talked about it in the last episode. I don't know if it'll make it to the podcast. But in case you didn't listen to the last episode, I am dealing with bed bugs for the second apartment out of three apartments that I've been living in, which is cool. If you would have lived in that first one long enough, you would have. I would have bed bugs eventually. Um, will you? <laughs> but anyway, I had to drop the cats off at the studio so that they didn't get sick when they got sprayed. And Pear spent the entire day hiding inside of Mom's little cajon drum, like the box drum that you sit on and play. Yeah, it's a cajon. I, I don't know if our listeners are going to know what a cajon is. <laughs> well, they should. It's just a square that you beat on and yeah, it's, it's like a, a square drum. box. And it's made in a way where it makes cool noises. That's all and you guys need to there's know. There's a hole on one side for acoustic purposes. I mean, and we're the not cat. a sound We hole. don't describe how sound flutes hole. and pianos work. So do we have to describe how a I, drum a, works? But it's important yes. to describe what it looks like so that people know that the cat climbed in the sound hole. And hid in the in, inside <laughs> of the drum. In the cajon. It looks like a subwoofer with a hole big enough for a cat to fit inside. And the cat hid in the drum the whole day. All day? Like hours? The whole like day. eight hours or more. He only came out to eat treats when I would put them right in front of his face. <laughs> he poked his head out. He, he poked his head out and meowed out. at me yeah. one time. <laughs> Poor little pear. Oh, she's putting the drum away. Putting the drum away. It's not comfortable. <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> think it would be. <sighs> All right, so we're here recording episode number 60. Yeah. Which is pretty good. We're plugging right along, even with all of these obstacles that seem mm -hmm. to keep getting in our way. And uh, this week, Jess is telling us the story. None of us know what it's about. So do you want to take over, Jess? All right. So let me set the scene. <laughs> Between the towns of Nazca and Pampa, about 250 miles south of Lima, Peru, lies a large plateau that stretches for approximately 50 miles. The ground is predominantly rust-colored, with the exception of hundreds of light yellowish lines covering the plateau. These lines are referred to as the Nazca Lines. 
Was that cheesy enough? Did you guys like it? I think it was cheesy enough, but not overly cheesy. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Make it cheesier. In case you couldn't tell, we're going to talk about the Nazca lines. Um, so we'll get into what they are here and kind of when they were first discovered. So as mentioned in my little dramatic intro, um, the Nazca lines are hundreds of lines that are spread across this plateau in Peru that date back to pre-Incan times. The first published mention of the lines was made by Pedro Cieza de Leon in 1553. Uh, he believed the lines were trail markers. Um, and then in 1596, Luis Mons I can't say his last name with an accent. It keeps coming out French when I was trying at home. Monzen <laughs> reported having seen ancient ruins that he described as the remains of roads. While the lines are partially visible from foothills near the plateau, as the 20th century ushered in the era of flight, it became clear that the best way to see the lines is from the air. From the sky, it became clear that these lines were more than just roads. While the majority of them are long, straight lines, some come together to form over 100 different shapes, including trapezoidal shapes, as well as more intricate shapes in the form of animals or human characters. Hmm, interesting. Oh, this is what I thought it was. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so they started to see that these lines that have been there for millennia actually make these intricate designs. In the 1920s, archaeologists, historians, and mathematicians began to study the lines to determine their purpose. So that's when the real study started. That's kind of the, you know, the era to early 1900s when archaeology was a huge deal. So, of course, there were archaeologists interested in this new ancient phenomena, right? So the Nazca Desert is covered in reddish-brown pebbles that are coated in iron oxide, when the pebbles are removed, the ground underneath is a light yellowish colored clay and that contrasts with the color of the surface. So that's what these lines are. It's the okay. subsoil, and it's much lighter than the topsoil. So the topsoil's been dug away. Yep. Okay. Um, and it makes the lines stand out. The Nazca people would have been able to use simple tools to scrape away pebble, the pebbles revealing the ground below. The other interesting thing is that that clay underneath has a high concentration of lime. So when morning dew coats it, it actually causes it to harden, which oh. kind of creates this weird protective shell. That's cool. Um, in addition, the Nazca Desert is one of the driest on Earth and maintains a year-round temperature of around 77 degrees Fahrenheit with very little wind. So Whoa. this has helped to... Well, the combination of the dry weather, little wind, and then the hardened layer from the dew hardening it, um, it helps to protect the lines from erosion. It also helps with little wind, keep them from becoming, becoming covered by dirt around it, things like that, um, which keeps the lines very prominent uh, even today. So they're okay. still very visible. Yeah, that's going to be my main question. Like, how do you have something that old? Right? It's just made of dirt right? being moved that like is still visible. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it should be permanent. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's just that combination of the light mist on it 
as it warms up in, in the, the morning yeah. and it hardens it. And so, uh, and then the climate, right? Like you don't have erosion if you don't have wind, rain, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Even the fact that it doesn't even get too hot. Like yep. if it stays 77 you're pretty not much getting, year round, you're not getting like the super high like, sun damage. Yeah, scorched earth. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, it's just a interest, an interesting phenomena that it all came uh, together like that in this area. So within the Nazca Plains, there are over 100 different depictions of very large figures, um, and they're all contained within an area that measures approximately 170 square miles. There are figures that are as large as almost 1,200 feet in length. Wow. So they're very large characters. There are all sorts of different kind of animals and people depicted. There's a hummingbird that Mm -hmm. measures to about 305 feet long. There's a monkey that measures to about 305 by 190 feet. And a condor that measures about 440 feet long. So these are big. How many, just so that I have a comparison that I can use in my own brain. Okay. How many feet are in a football field? Uh, 300, right? Three feet in a yard, 100 yards, and then the end zone is about another 10 yards. So I don't know, like 360 feet-ish, okay. I think. Did I do math right, guys? Or yeah, I think so. I have no idea. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. So probably about the size of a football field than yeah. a lot of these were. Yeah, yeah, so like that's crazy. Yeah, so carved by just carving away, and most of the lines were about. I don't know why I didn't convert this to inches because I have centimeters, but like ten to fifteen centimeters, like deep and wide kind of thing. So they're not super deep or super wide, no. uh, but they're very very long. Well, and they depict pictures that you wouldn't really be able to see if Unless you couldn't you get up in the, the air. sky. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So how did they make them? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. There are two major phases that archaeologists divide the Nazca lines into. There's what they call the Paracas phase, and those are lines that were created from 400 to 200 BCE. So... For those of you who are on the old school system, that's just BC. And then in 200 BC, it moves into what they called the Nazca phase. And those were created from 200 BCE to 500 CE or common era. The interesting thing, too, though, is that as technology advances, scientists have been able to uncover even more figures, um, even as recently as some that were discovered um, in 2020. Um, wow. So the number keeps growing as they're able to examine more closely, and who knows when they'll stop finding new huh. uh, geoglyphs. That's so it's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. All right. So over the years, there have been many theories about what the lines meant and the purpose that they served to the Nazca people. And so they were examined minimally um, in the 1920s and 1930s, but the first real information about an in-depth study was in the 1940s, and it was theorized that the lines were created for astronomical purposes. 
So if you think about it, monuments and buildings from ancient times all over the world show signs of a cosmological (laughs) purpose. Um, And so it was kind of natural for early archaeologists to make that connection and believe that the lines served a similar purpose. Um, They theorized that the lines acted as an observatory of sorts and pointed to places on the horizon where celestial bodies rose and set during the solstices. And some believe that the animal figures were representations of constellations. There was one archaeologist later in the, towards the end of the 20th century, that believed the shapes were not constellations, but what she called counter-constellations, which are dark patches kind of in between the scars in the expanse of the sky. So, you know, we think of constellations as connecting the stars. Yeah. But she theorized that they actually represented the dark space Hmm. instead. That's interesting. Now, as time has passed and archaeologists have continued to study the lines, the theory of it being for astronomical purposes has widely been disregarded and other theories have become more prominent. Some of the criticisms around the astronomical theories were that there were some archaeologists who went into elaborate detail on some of the figures to talk about how they pointed at things, yet they didn't account for all the lines in the figure. So it was almost like certain lines did this. Well, great. What's the rest of it for? Like, why did they have to make it in the shape of a spider if they only needed the spider's two legs? You know what I mean? Like, so. um, Because that's a lot of work for nothing. For flavor. (laughs) So. We'll get into some of those theories. My favorite ones are the ones that happened in the 60s. <laughs> oh, so uh, let's go ahead and take We're a break because I'm really hot. And okay. oh, we'll come oh, back. Oh, we can oh. do that. We can take a break. <laughs> let's cast an energy spell. Yeah, I know. I need one. Last night, James and I did magic. <laughs> What'd you do? Like, we were playing. the card game or spells? No, we I, we cast a ritual. I swear to God, because we were playing. <laughs> I like your. I swear to God. I swear to God. Um, we were playing Mario Party, <laughs> and we were on a team because there were so many of us. Um, and we keep doing this thing. Do you know that? I think it's a TikTok that's like, I said the Russians are here. And it's this little kid being like, I said the Russians were here. No, I don't know and that. And someone's like, what are you talking about? And he says, I said the Russians were here. And then he does the little Russian dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so James and I were just doing that to each other all the night. <laughs> um, and his sister's husband was like, what's that fucking ritual that you just did? Why are you guys doing that? Because he didn't know the TikTok. And, uh, but then every single call that we would make, we like actually made when we were playing Mario Kart, Mario Party. And we, like, totally whooped everyone's asses. It was just wild. That's funny. We did magic. You did do a ritual. So. That was it. Cultural appropriation Russian dances make you good at Mario Kart? I said the Russians are here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of mystical unexplained things. Yeah. Why don't we get back into your story, Jess? Maybe the Nazca lines are all about rituals and spells. Who knows? Maybe they are. I think you're going to tell us your thoughts. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what the theory is, and then you can tell me your thoughts. Okay. I have no opinion in this yet. Like, this is just the theories that have abounded over time. Okay. 
All right. So the first theories, as we mentioned before, were mostly astrological in nature. Um, but in the 60s, theories that the lines were influenced by extraterrestrials began to emerge. And this is a common thing you see that began in the 60s. Like there was definitely alien mania in the 50s and 60s, right? Like, yeah. um, but this also ties in, though, with some of the theories that many ancient structures throughout the world, such as Stonehenge, or sorry, I had to just, I read through this whole thing after my last debacle. Oh, yeah. But it still says the Tonehenge instead of Stonehenge. Sorry. <laughs> so it made me giggle. Um, so, like, Stonehenge or the pyramids at Giza. Um, many theory, or there are many theories that those ancient structures were built or influenced by alien technology yeah. and a direct correlation uh, with alien visitation. Um, so a Swiss writer, Eric von Daniken, uh, shared his theory in his 1968 book, Chariots of the Gods. So if you okay. are into extraterrestrial stuff, you may have heard of this book or of von Daniken. But in that book specifically, he talks about his uh, theories with the Nazca lines, but also some theories about just kind of alien visitation to ancient cultures in general. So one thing that he includes in his theory um, is the idea that origin of ancient religions are actually reactions to alien visitations. So as ancient peoples were visited by these otherworldly creatures with this advanced kind of thinking and technology who in many cases are portrayed as providing some sort of assistance to those people. That's what evolved into the gods that these ancient cultures worshipped. So it's so yeah problematic. So <laughs> well you have to think though, like, you know, think of the ancient Greeks worshiping Zeus with von Daniken's theory, Zeus is really an alien. But they've kind of anthropomorphized him into this deity type yeah. figure. I have a fun, almost tangent um, going in on like, um, I don't know. My favorite theory right now is that Christianity is just post-apocalyptic Norse mythology. Like post-Ragnarok explosion and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, only, I don't know. There's like hmm. some fun TikTok theories that I'll send you guys. Gotta love those TikTok really theories. <laughs> um, um, you know, but it kind of makes sense. It goes back to all the theories that, like, religions were built out of these, I don't want to say uneducated, but I can't think of the right word. But, like, they're still primitive. There we go. That's the word I want. These primitive cultures trying to explain the world around them and the easiest way to explain why you know, a house got struck by lightning or there was famine and drought was to blame it on some otherworldly higher power being. Yeah. Von Daniken theorizes that aliens, that extraterrestrials are the catalyst of that kind of thought. Which if extraterrestrials do exist and they did visit the earth, that would make sense. I mean, mm -hmm. but that's still very speculative. <laughs> Yeah, don't listen to this, Uncle Shane, because I think Uncle Shane believes it's all aliens. I'm not saying I don't believe that it is. I'm just saying that there is no, it's still just a speculation. Right. You know, there is right, no. Right, like, right, right. There's no proof or evidence. Yeah. yeah. 
In his book, Chariots of the Gods, Von Daniken also discusses the Nazca lines specifically. Um, and he theorized that they were used as landing sites for UFOs. The lines were created by the aliens to help them navigate landing their spaceships when they visited Earth and then also served as landing pads. So that is the 60s. There were other um, writers, professionals, scholars, scientists, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't specifically say. There were other people who also had theories about there being an extraterrestrial connection yeah. to the Nazca lines. Now, scholars and scientists have criticized Von Daniken's theory, um, even so far as to say it has no intellectual credibility. Um, and they also accuse him of restating other individuals' theories including their evidence without giving them credit. So they basically kind of say he's a plagiarizer. He didn't provide any new evidence of his own, just kind of rehashed other things. Now, I didn't look into whether that's true or not, but that's in the scientific community. That's kind of where he ended up Mm -hmm. um, after his theories. But in spite of that, his book gained popularity with the general public and actually increased interest and visitations to the site. Another thing that, in a way, kind of ref- could be seen as refuting Von Daniken's theories in the early 2000s, because that's the 21st century, right? Yeah, in the early 2000s. <laughs> I always have to think about it. I don't know why. I have, even when I, it was the 1900s, I always had to be like, 20th century, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. In the early 2000s, Joe Nickel, an investigator of paranormal, religious artifacts, and folk mysteries, reproduced the figures in the Nazca lines using the same tools and technology available to the Nazca people. So he was actually able to take a small group of people and recreate the figures in just a few days with no aerial assistance. Oh, okay. And Scientific American said his re recreation was quote remarkable in its exactness that's interesting so a lot of people take that to say to refute the hypothesis of eric von daniken that extraterrestrials has had created the site i mean my thought is you guys can pipe in if you want like just because they could do it doesn't mean they did do it yeah. yeah, yeah, but, but I also I think, don't feel like it, it's, you know, I don't know. I feel like if you had the the spatial awareness to build a house, then you would have the spatial awareness to make these. You know, I don't know. I just feel like yeah. it's, it doesn't feel like it would be as well, remarkable as everybody makes it out to be without having well, aerial I mean, assistance. But have, I don't know. You have to. I think, just though, this maybe is, have this oh, is no, be- a lot of faith in us. It's this is beyond the scale of a house, though. It's like creating a continuous yeah, line true. of dominoes that you're going to knock down that makes a cool shape, without being able to see the top of the dominoes. Only being able to see the side of the dominoes. Mm. Like, does that make sense? I feel like it's possible, and I think. Well, that, it is possible he did it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like a marching band. That's what I was thinking. Uh-huh. I was like, you know, you I don't can't know. see the shape when you're in the marching band. Yeah. yeah. But you can like That's conceptualize band, it and be able to do it still. So not. I mean, in a way, but if but I don't know about you guys, but I was given a picture 
of what it looks like. Oh, I don't like. know. I was never yeah. in a marching band. So. Yeah, like you, you get like a grid. <laughs> they could do that. They could do that. If you just draw, like yeah. you're like, oh, here's a map. And then you scale here's it where up. where we're doing. Math has always existed. Right, but yeah. that's what I'm saying is that they could do it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? With no well, aerial I think, assistance. I think we need to look into the possible racial bias of believing that it would be aliens in the same that's way that I'm people thinking, saying... Yeah. That, like, the Egyptians, there was no way that they could have built them, that it was 90% of that was slaves. It's like, yeah, it's possible. It's just that I think when you have a lot of white scientists and white, like, ufologists coming in and being like, oh, it's aliens. It's like, but you're only saying that about the people of color. (laughs) Um, So is a racial bias to say that Stonehenge was created by extraterrestrials, those white druids up there? In Britain. But that's not a theory that you hear as often as like hearing that like um, the pyramids were built by aliens. At least I've never heard that. I've heard it quite a bit. Yeah. Really? It's a pretty common theory. Pretty yeah. Common. yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I get what you're saying. But like, I, I don't know what you're saying. Like I a lot of that is a... like refuted in, you know. Well, and also, less... but even with Stonehenge, like the Druids were an indigenous culture. Just I think because it's they less were about white, racial they were still indigenous. Bias and more about your. Uh, religious bias. So because it's all very yeah. Christian centric. Yeah. Well, you know? and and also too, I think it's less of a racial bias and more of just a superiority complex because they can't think of how they could have built the pyramids themselves. So how could these primitive people who aren't as educated yeah. and evolved as them have created them themselves? Which is without so silly help. to me because it's like that's just my because opinion. <laughs> There's a language barrier and a communication barrier beyond what was left from these primitive cultures doesn't mean that these primitive cultures were uneducated and so as primitive as we believe, you know. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's especially when you look at the times around the 1920s and the way the world was that I think that. I don't know that it had to do with any sort of language barrier. I think it was more of just looked at the way they lived. They're not as advanced as us. Look, we have electricity and we can fly planes and they were just growing things and creating masterpieces without all the shit we have and being better than us. But we're going to pretend that they weren't and aliens did it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That that's my opinion. I think it was just a superior people from two hundred. 200- but I think that superiority is like also derived kind of from a racial perspective. I think it's derived in a lot from of a lot of racial perspective. It's derived from a lot of religious culture of, yeah. of you know, especially like just like especially like in that that time period, like the twenties well, yeah. and stuff. Like so much of our culture as Americans was was driven by christianity specifically but there was a and and there's that that kind of oh well god chose us you know kind of bias that plays in well i think you mean the slaves from egypt who decided god chose them i don't know they're racist all of it is just (laughs) i mean i think that's why it gets convoluted yes and and it is convoluted and hard and but i think Specifically, I guess my thing is like when you look at like ancient Greece, no one is like aliens built ancient Greece. But the theory that like aliens built ancient Egypt or that aliens did the the Nazca lines is there, like more prevalent, and you have to question the reason why that. But is. there are so that's all I was. But doing. there are there are seven wonders of the world, right? We've got the seven wonders of the world. There are wonders that are in Italy, Greece, 
that people do theorize. How could they have built the Colossus of Rhodes? Must be alien technology. What's the place that you actually see? It's like Lord, it makes me think of Lord of the Rings, but there's actually a place where the river oh, I know what you're goes about. through yeah. and there's the two carved figures. Like people have theorized that those are aliens. How well, could they I have done this? Like in and like the the ufology scope at at abroad. I like that word. Like the community of people who believe in aliens, that's probably the case, but I think the ones that you see that are the most mainstream are ones that are typically people get, say that those people were more I think right I think they get more primitive. attention and are more mainstream as you say because they're not questioning well, but it as, as much. no but as don't uh, don't I'm speak for that's what I think it is <laughs> um but they don't the ones that are more mainstream as far as the alien idea are also the ones that are more prevalent just in general as an as an archaeological historical fantastic site like how many times have you heard people talk about i'm gonna go back to this the colossus mm -hmm. of Rhodes, right yeah so of course alien belief that aliens helped build it isn't going to be as prevalent as the pyramids because by just on its face the pyramids are more prevalent than the colossus of Rhodes. yeah so i think you have to weigh that too i'm not disputing your argument or anything or it's saying I think you're wrong or I disagree with you. I'm just thinking like there's so many factors that I don't think there's ever any way we yeah. can truly know why people And I'm not feel saying like, like it's not aliens. It could be aliens. We have no fucking idea. I just find it interesting when it's like a person coming from a culture that is no way related right. to that ancient culture oh, totally. and immediately pointing to aliens. Totally. <laughs> but then someone else can like do it. And so it's like, why did you immediately go to aliens? I, mean, I don't know. Well, but to be fair, the alien dude was in like 1968. Yeah, where the, everything was and the aliens. Well, and, and the recreation didn't happen until the early 2000s. So that's like, true. At that's least true. And 30 years later, 30 plus years later, right? Like, had a lot of of reasons why he shouldn't be believed that were beyond just his his theories. Wait, do you, but like, <clears throat> like the fact alien that he, dude, well, the the one that the chariots of the gods. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the more recognizable alien books. Yeah, that are out there. Wasn't he the one that was like plagiarizing and like? <laughs> well, according to the sources, other scientists accused him of stealing. So I, like I said, I didn't fact check that and find out if he did, but other he scientists... He doesn't have the best reputation yes. that goes beyond <laughs> just what he theorizes. I say other scientists, but technically this uh, guy, Von Daniken, was... Uh, the only thing I found about him was he was a writer. So I don't know what his scientific background is, but he makes me think of, and I know it's not him because it was 1968. You know, on all those alien shows on History Channel, the one guy who has like the, the guy tall with the hair. fucking hair, yeah. <laughs> so, Resident Alien, the TV show, they go to an alien convention, and that guy's there as like one of the speakers <laughs> in the background. It's like a brief, like if I remember right, it's like a brief thing. But I was like, oh my god, that's the alien dude. Because <laughs> so even though there are a million alien dudes. He's That's the one the who guy. is like the alien dude yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure to a lot of people. Right. Says Salem from the floor. Her back's messing her up. So if you hear faint noises, <laughs> it's probably Salem. We'll and I'll y- translate. Yeah, we'll fill you in on the important parts. We'll leave out the unimportant parts. And it's all at Belle's discretion. I'm <laughs> translating. Um, so another thing that kind of supports this idea that the actual people could have built this rather than extraterrestrials is as sites have been investigated, they have found like wooden posts that date back to uh, these time periods, like at the end of lines um, and other places that make it seem as if they're markers to help Mm. guide them on how to, like where to go to scrape away the dirt and to like make the shape that they're. Well, and you said how long were some of the lines, you said the Nazca was like 200 BCE, to like 500 CE, is that what you said? So that's the second phase. There are okay. lines older than that that are considered the Paracas mm-hmm. uh, phase, which were 400 uh, BCE to 200 BCE, and then it went into the Nazca okay. period from 200 BCE to 500 CE. Is BCE and CE still somewhat in the realm of what the story of Jesus is? So is so, it, it would like BCE still so, be equivalent to BCE? Well, so essentially, the period where it switches from before Common Era to Common Era is kind of still the same date. So when you think of 1 BC, 0, 1 AD, it's still kind of the same time period. But so they consider the time after the ancient Egyptian culture was gone and and the Christ uh, myth was in full swing like you know or the like when christ would have existed still the common era that's kind of still the divider okay Uh, but it's just it's not as like like the later part the later era that these could have been built could have potentially been built in the same time that like rome existed (laughs) like rome was in full swing well because rome existed also in bc times yes in bce times so it's just like it's more of just like the delineator isn't necessarily jesus was born yeah 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 yeah. i just have a question that i want to pose to all of these alien enthusiasts who might believe that this is the work of aliens because you said it took how many hundreds of years that these lines are... Like, you would think that if your all-powerful aliens really did come to Earth and help this community build this artwork, whatever they used it for, they would have done it in less than a century. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I'm not saying I believe with what I'm about to devil's advocate you on. <laughs> But I would pose that if all these aliens are all over the world helping all these cultures build shit, that they don't have time to just build it all at once there. And plus, you got to think of expansion and development as the population grows. Maybe they only needed one landing pad at the beginning, and then they had to expand because they had multiple ships coming in at the same time. It's like you go from Stapleton Airport to DIA, right? You grow. (laughs) Is that my good devil's advocate? Yes. Did you guys like it? You did great. <laughs> All righty. So that's the alien. Alien. Aliens. Aliens. Um, so then we move into the 1980s. I didn't see anything about new theories in the 70s. We're just going to skip the... Everyone was too high. They were still on the alien kick. Too, yeah. too much acid. 
during the seventies, um, and too many s- thought, yeah, bro, what too many serial killers to worry about weird lines in another country. Do you think right? people in the seventies said bro, bra? Uh, no. Cool. <laughs> I don't think they said bra, but they might have they said, said man. Or they said oh, man, they said man. Sure. man, man. They might have said, "What if we're the aliens, dude?" dude. Man, yeah. Oh, man. Just watch that '70s show. You'll learn the lingo. I have. <laughs> I think they might have said "bro," but they didn't say "bra." Mm. But I don't know. I was not alive in the '70s, so. Hey, mom, did they say "bro" in the '70s? <laughs> dude, your mom was a toddler. <laughs> mom was five. <laughs> your mom was only six when I was born. Keep that in mind. <laughs> As we move into the 80s, we see theories continue to evolve. Um, So I will, spoiler alert, none of the theories that started in the beginning are considered... (laughs) What is the word I want? Considered... Valid? Valid, thank you. Yeah. Valid theories today, just so you know. Um, So in 1983, Henri Stirling... Stirling. I don't know, he's Swiss. What's a Swiss accent? Stirling. Henri Stirling. No, 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 that's Sweden. Yeah. What's a Swiss? It's kind of, actually, it's kind of hung, it's kind of Polish, German, Hungarian, isn't the Swiss accent? Is it? I have no idea. They're like surrounded by all those countries, aren't they? Yeah. I think they, the, yes. the, the Alps, they yodel in the Alps in Switzerland, not just in Germany, so. Sure. <laughs> so maybe you yodel his name? I'm not. I was, what is his name? I'll yodel it. I was gonna try it, but then I got nervous, and so I'm not. His name is Henri Stirlin. Stirlin. That's so Swedish. Stirlin. Henri. Stirlin. All right. Anyway, so he wrote a book. This Swiss art historian, Henri Stirlin. Are we racist? I don't know. No, they're not a race. They're a culture. And we might be nationalists. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> hey, but, or we might just be assholes. Culturally insensitive, maybe. Right. And assholes, I'd give us asshole credit. I'd, I'd sew a patch on me that says asshole so people know. Mm-hmm. I'd sew it to my skin so that I really tattoo. Sew it to your skin or get a tattoo. (laughs) No, sewing it to your skin is so much more hardcore. (laughs) Branded into you, (laughs) and as your melted flesh is hot before it can can uh, heal, put a piece of leather that says asshole in it, (laughs) and let your skin grow around it. Is that hardcore enough? So metal. (laughs) Alrighty, alrighty. Okay, so 1980s Swiss guy named Henri. Um, which I say like French because I think Switzerland is like the weird place that has all this stuff around it. And they have the like, (laughs) Switzerland is like the weird, they have the influence. They have French influence and German influence and, um, not Bulgarian. What's B B Belgium. Belgium. (laughs) Belgium's actually kind of like Switzerland with the influence. Anyway, sorry, Salem can cut all that out because I just sound like a babbling moron. All right, so he published a book where Belle doesn't sing. I was trying to set the scene as the 80s. <laughs> so he published this book, and he actually his theory was that the lines are actually linked to the ancient textiles that have been found in the area. So large textiles that um, have served as wrappings of mummified bodies have been found. Um, they're big, and they have very, very long threads in them 
So his theory is that the ancient people actually used the lines and the shape, like the trapezoidal shapes, as a giant loom. And that's how they were able to create such large weavings with such long threads. What? <laughs> They're like I the mean, size of like how many football fields though? Like I know. Like I couldn't find anything <laughs> that was like how long was the longest thread in the Nazca <laughs> textiles. Like because like was it a hundred feet long? <laughs> Because, you know, like the trapezoids weren't quite as long as like the monkey and all that kind of Mm. stuff. But still, they were huge. (laughs) So I thought that was fun. That is kind of fun. That is fun. I kind of just want to, I kind of zoned out while you were talking about that. I know, you do that. I started thinking about how cool it would be if it was just a giant graveyard. And they just decorated it. How many people died to need like a 170 square mile graveyard? That would be fun though. Would that would be fun. <laughs> like, who's left to Go back bury to them? Out. That's weird. Why would you say that? Giant graveyard. <laughs> there is no Go graveyard because nobody's left to bury them if that many dead people are yeah. around. Giant graveyard. I oh, my goodness. All right. So we're still in the oh. 80s. Um, and uh, now we're in. Uh, uh. All right. So 1985, we got archaeologists. Johann Reinhard, I can say that it's part of my heritage. I think it sounds Germanish or that or the Prussian area to me, right? Anyway, he took archaeological, ethnographic, and historical data from the areas at that time, um, and was able to show that the people in that area worshipped the mountains and other water sources, and that was prominent in the Nazca religion. Makes sense. They're in a desert, right? We think about cultures back then, and part of, I think, maybe to our discussion before about why we think they're primitive cultures. Like, we don't worry about water. We live in the desert or in the mountains, and we have water, like, funneled to us, right? I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, like, but the people in the Nazca desert were dependent on the actual elements to provide them with sustenance, right? Mm. So, um, as were most people until the invention of electricity. <laughs> well, yes, but invention, the discovery of electricity. <laughs> depends on who you ask, Edison or Tesla, whether it was invented or discovered. Man, fuck Edison. I know, right? He's a dick. I'll sing. That was topsy at my topsy. That's mean. Bob's Burgers. That's what I thought. Oh. The episode about how Edison was a fraud and how he killed an electric <laughs> electrocuted he, he an elect- elephant named Topsy. Named that's Pop- why. Why? That's why I said it was awful. I knew what you were referring. I didn't know it was Bob's Burgers, but I got the horrible joke <laughs> about the ah Topsy and yeah. Edison. Anyway, <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's not get started on Edison versus Tesla. All right, so we got Johann Reinhard, blah, blah, blah. They worshipped mountains and water sources. So Were he, you about to call him John Hinn? <laughs> I almost called him just John. <laughs> John Reinhard. I almost Americanized his name. I'm not going to puke. Mm. All right, so it's down to the three of us. I'm the oldest, so I'm in charge. So <laughs> everybody shut up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're almost done. I feel bad that Salem's yeah. missing out on the end. But 
Um, so he believed the lines were paths that led to places of worship and that the animal figures were meant to gain the aid of deities who provide water. So he saw it all as kind of like the same idea of sacrifices or other offerings to the gods asking for water, which is reasonable considering they were in a desert, right? Mm -hmm. So in 1996, the first systematic field study, so the first real kind of field study of those of the ge geoglyphs began. Marcus Reindel and Johnny Quadrado Island. And I looked at it. What a cool fucking I know. Name. Yeah. I looked at it like seven times because when I read it, I just read it as Johnny Quadrado. And then I was like, Island? <laughs> like I thought Johnny Quadrado was his name. It took me a while to realize his name is Johnny Quadrado Island. They have documented and excavated more than 650 sites in the Nazca lines. Um, and they were comparing the lines and the symbols to ceramics and decorations and depictions on those ceramics. So they thought there was a correlation between the figures and the pottery that the people were producing. Now, the most recent um, kind of study of the lines, which is still going today, um, was a team of Japanese scientists from Yamagata University. In 2006, they began studying the Nazca lines. By 2012, they had found approximately 100 new geoglyphs. Oh, damn. Um, and in September of 2012, they built a new research center at the site to prepare for a 15-year research study Holy of the cow. site. So, there's, so 2012 hasn't been 15 years yet. There's still... It's been 10, so they got five more years yeah. to go, right? In around 2018, 2019, this was a little weird because they announced it in 2019, and I couldn't really find when they started this, but they announced in 2019. Mm. But this group from Yamagata University teamed up with IBM Japan and used drones and artificial intelligence technology to scan, to do aerial scans of the uh, Nazca Plateau to see if there were any figures that were eroded or covered enough that they couldn't see it with the naked eye, essentially. Hmm. Um, it's actually pretty neat. So there is one figure that you can find online that the AI from IBM Japan found, and they show you the, pic the aerial photograph of it and then what the AI came back with what it looked like. And it's very you know you can see it once you see the the ai picture that they drew that it drew you can totally see that in the aerial picture of it so it's pretty neat so you know they're still studying and who knows how many more they'll find mm -hmm. with this new technology That's so cool. um, while the majority of them like we talked about have been preserved there are some that are like on the slopes of a foothill so they're more prone to erosion Oh, yeah. Things like that. So those are the ones that this technology has helped them find and identify. Sorry, guys. Mm -hmm. I didn't fart. I hit my microphone. The other thing that this team has done is identify some of the symbols and come up with more theories about what this, this whole thing might represent. Um, now, if you look through the figures in the Nazca lines, the most common figure seen in the geoglyphs is birds there are birds all over um, now in the past previous researchers had identified a lot of these birds as being indigenous birds birds that you find around the area 
However, as this team from Japan has studied these glyphs, they have determined and actually reclassified a lot of the glyphs as exotic birds. So they believe that they're exotic birds that come from non-desert climates. So there are birds that come from the Amazon depicted there are um, birds like the hummingbird. That's not a desert bird. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't yep. think a hummingbird would be <clears throat> so they, indigenous to the yeah. desert. <laughs> so they believe that these symbols were used in ceremonies hoping to bring water to oh. the desert. So they're putting these birds that represent like water, I can't think of the word, moist um, climates wet climates i don't know (laughs) i can't think of the word and in presenting those they're hoping to attract water and rain to Mm -hmm. the desert they're manifesting yeah (laughs) um so i don't think we'll ever know the true reason for the lines right we can never know unless we could talk to somebody yeah it's really cool though that they're still finding yeah stuff about it um so the answer disappeared with the ancient nazca could it be aliens could it be a giant sweatshop? <laughs> or is it simply the work of people trying to make sense of the world around them and survive the harsh harsh conditions of their environment? What do you believe? I, I think it's a giant sweatshop. Mm. You missed the loom thing. Yeah, you did yeah, miss the loom I'm thing. Sorry. <laughs> so anybody who's really paying attention and is smart would get the connection between my giant sweatshop comment um i personally think it was just uh the first recorded art installation (laughs) it's a big mural yeah it's just a big mural it's vandalism (laughs) one of the royals of the community their rich son who didn't have an actual job was like you know what would be really fun (laughs) not into this whole sacrifice thing i'd rather just paint yeah (laughs) really i'm a sculptor at heart I mean, listen, it doesn't always have to be that deep. (laughs) Maybe it's just art. (laughs) I often wonder about that. I have to wonder, like, how many of these ancient artifacts are we spending hours pouring over? And it was probably just some fucker. Like, the amount of half-finished crocheted projects that are just, like, collecting dust in my closet. Like, in thousands of years, somebody could be like, what does it mean? (laughs) I've told you that I wished I never told even. I did mystery boxes, right? Oh, God. Because I write in a notebook, and, you know, you have to solve puzzles and things, and sometimes you have to write stuff out, and I would love it if she found all my notebooks when I died. Yeah. And was like, what is this? Is it code? She's going to know. It's just mom's mystery box. I know, because I told her, damn it. You haven't done things that don't suck yet, just stuff like that. No, I know. I'm just fixing my hair. Because appearances matter in this sweat. Because it was infested. bugging me. <laughs> but that is my story. Open to discussion if you guys want, or we can wrap up the show if you'd prefer. Um, I think I Jeff. did a lot of discussion throughout so your too. story. <laughs> I never save my discussion for the end. Okay. No. <laughs> I have to say it as it's happening, or I'll forget I'll it. I'll forget. <laughs> but that's why mom gave us notebooks, and I just used it to doodle instead. Yep. <laughs> No, I believe that we'll never know. That's my belief on it, is that 
It could be so many different things, and we'll never know. Could it be aliens? Just because someone can do something doesn't mean they would. Like, if I had magic powers, there's a lot of things I can do, but I wouldn't do them if I could magic them. Mm. I mean, like, for real. There's also the entirely real possibility that it was used for a number of different things. (laughs) I like to think that it used to not be a desert, and some of the spiral designs were just giant water slides. (laughs) because <laughs> it was water it, there was more water back in the Slipping day slides yep yeah that's funny sorry guys i felt really sick there for a minute i thought i was gonna get sick that's okay i'm glad you're feeling a little better a little bit i don't um, know what's wrong with me i don't feel good do um no. 99 bananas in a hot hot fucking room yeah that's what's wrong with you oh maybe i'm just immune these days i guess i don't know so I'm going to tell you. I drink you, too much. I'm immune. I'm going to tell you my thing that doesn't suck. And then I think well, I'm going to say goodbye and okay. let you guys run. Well, <laughs> bell, bell, bell. It's time for things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. Um, so my thing that doesn't suck is that I can go lay down. Yeah, I just didn't just Ralph. That I didn't just Ralph. So, I think that's a good thing that doesn't suck. And Han- I apologize to all the listeners for cutting out, but I'm going to go lay down because I don't feel good. Hannah knows how to stop it and everything, right, when we're done? Yeah. Um, who wants to go next with their things that don't suck? Yes, I can go next. I did come up with two today. Um, my thing we that doesn't... always have to come up with I know, two. and I usually can barely <laughs> come up with her. one. I'm lucky enough if I usually come up with one because my life has not been great lately, but my life is looking up. And one of my things that doesn't suck... Is that I got a new job and I really like it. And I Yay! went to work this week and I work with mom now. We've been carpooling in together and I've been carpooling with Kyle because I can't drive because I don't want to have a seizure on the highway. But it's been good. I get to sit at a desk all day and I also get to run around a giant, beautiful hotel when I'm not sitting at a desk. And it's really nice and I really like it. My coworkers are really nice and I like them so far and it's been good. Yay. Woo-hoo! All right. You want me to go? You want to go, Hannah? You go. Hannah's really concentrating on her hair. I gotta fix my hair. It's bugging me. Um, jeez. I guess my thing that doesn't suck for this episode. I guess I'm going to go on a trip to see my granny. Yay! Which is exciting because nobody knows how much longer she'll be around. She's 95 now. And she's been saying she wants to just, like, go to a home and veiled veiled comments about how she that seem as if she's implying she'd be okay if she died for years so i feel already making comments like that i don't know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be insufferable when i'm old (laughs) so i feel if she really feels that way i feel really bad for her but i love her and i'm gonna go see her and hopefully this will be a time for me to reset my mental health by not having to think about real shit. Yeah, it's Yay. easy to do out in the middle of nowhere. I know, right? <laughs> if we're lucky, we'll stay somewhere that has internet. <laughs> <laughs> if not, I'll read a lot. Yeah. All right. Um, my thing that doesn't suck is that I get to go on a vacation yeah, yeah. next frat third. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday. You're leaving on my birthday. I am leaving on your birthday. You should figure out when you're leaving. And you didn't even come helps. out last night to come hang out with me on my birthday. Listen, something that does suck is that three of my coworkers have COVID right now, and so I was fucking tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nobody invited me to go to your birthday thing, Belle. It 
was... Is it because I'm too old? Um, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> no, I'm kidding. It's because if I it's friends... I would agree. <laughs> it I, is with my friends. No, I get it. I'm too old to hang with your friends. Well, a lot of my friends are in their 30s and <laughs> <laughs> almost yeah. 40s. And <laughs> Well, then why wasn't I invited? I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm 40. I literally called Hannah and bothered Hannah and then sent a chat to my D&D group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, in, I'm 40, which like, means... Be there or not, I don't care. I can totally hang with your almost 40 friends. Yeah, you could. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty cool. The guy that married me, he's in his yeah. mid to late 30s. I don't know. Um, My cool. DM. Yeah, your DM. I yeah. know. <laughs> so Evie was talking and she was having this insane power trip talking about how she would love to DM a Dungeons and Dragons game. And I told her, I said, if you're willing to put it all together and do it, I bet you I could get your cousins and your aunts to come play. True. I think she'd be a maniacal DM, and it terrifies me. I love that. I want an unhinged DM. Like, she'd be worse than Jake. So that I can be an unhinged character. I just, want a D- yes. I just want a DM that allows me to be chaotic. Yeah. I think um, Evie would. Cause like, I think cause- Evie would be the kind of DM that would allow her players to be chaotic, but would match them yeah. with oh, yeah. equal, if not greater be, chaos. There would I need- be no... Fudging of the numbers to keep us from dying. She'd be like, dead bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I need a DM who matches my energy when I say I want to start collecting the fingernails of all the people I have killed. Ooh. I would th- I'd let you do that. You let me do it, but you didn't match my energy. No. You weren't as excited <laughs> I, about I it. I didn't have energy period as a DM, and that's why I wasn't a good DM. I just think Evie would be fucking insane and i just yeah. want to be chaotic and i just want to see a glimpse inside of that little weird brain oh, nurse. oh let's bring her back for another podcast yeah then, that you're on i think i have too big of a glimpse into it because we have the same, same weird little yeah. brain <laughs> i mean there are variations it's yeah very similar <laughs> all right well all right all right friends well, that's our podcast listeners and, uh, nice invited family what is the word that i'm looking for shammies all right shemmies shemmies where can they find us Belle? they can find us at ffs the podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on the instagrams or the tweeters or the book of faces at ffs the podcast effed up family story time spelled e-f-f-e-d effed and make sure if you post on our facebook that you hashtag steve buscemi because he will be a listener <laughs> At Steve Buscemi, send him our episodes. Just like, you know, he. I want him to be a listener. I want to get big enough. I love my that we can get Steve Buscemi as a guest. <gasps> like Steve Buscemi, but he as would a probably guest. expect us to pay for him to fly out here and stuff. And I'd we don't have if money. We were big enough, though. We might have money. We, we could get a sponsor. Money. We could get so a what sponsor. What if Steve Buscemi sponsors us? <gasps> Steve Buscemi. Manifest it. Um, Manifest all it. All your little shemmies are just waiting for you to jump on board. <laughs> ah! uh, Hannah's so Hannah excited she's knocking, knocking stuff, stuff over. over. Come on, Steve. I think that's a sign that we should wrap it up for the day. Goodbye. Love Bye. you guys. <laughs>